everybody. Hey, everyone. Welcome to No Exit. To No Exit. It's a podcast. It's a podcast about horror movies and stuff. And stuff. Um, oh. I'm your host at Wendy Warzone. I'm your host, Hannah Hell. My pronouns are she, her, hers. My pronouns are also she, her, hers. What a coincidence. Amazing. Incredible. What will they think of next? Um, Janda, I hardly know her. So I've been in uh, my house for five weeks now. Mm, I have hit my one month mark as of yesterday. Uh, so s- similar, similar. Welcome to the month, the month club, the mm-hmm. one month, the QT one yep. month club. Was mm-hmm. it you who I was talking to about making like Girl Scout sashes with? Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> I couldn't remember if that was on the podcast or not. I don't remember if it was on the podcast, but we did talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That just say like one month in quarantine. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, hung up, <laughs> mm-hmm. hung up on your couples therapist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, just hashtag. It's like just ate lesbian. the whole jar of peanut butter. Ate the whole jar of peanut butter. Uh, ate so many bags of vegan mm-hmm. Doritos that you made yourself sick, and now you can't eat them again for a while. <laughs> made sourdough. <laughs> Eats, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Eat. Um, um, I haven't made sourdough yet, but I've been making a lot of no-need bread because it doesn't use very much yeast, and there's a yeast shortage because people are dickheads and oh, bottle dear. the yeast. <laughs> I did not know there was a yeast shortage. That must yes. have been why we had so much trouble. We've we've been trying to get yeast for like a month before we yeah. finally got it. You can't get yeast fucking anywhere. Huh. Um, now I know. That's why all these motherfuckers yeah. been baking, baking all this bread because they hoarded yeast before all yes. this shit went down. God damn it. And, but, and you know what's funny is like everybody's fucking making sourdough and sourdough doesn't even use yeast. Yeah. <laughs> like you make sourdough yeah. starter and then you use the wild yeast from your sourdough starter. Yeah. Anyway. People don't know anything. Um. That's not what this podcast is about. No, I mean, um, it's not not about that because it is a horror podcast. Hey, everything. And we are living in one of the most horrifying <laughs> times in human history. Um, so like the bubonic yeah. plague, but with the internet. Um, mm-hmm. I did go for a nice walk today. I hadn't oh, really great. been outside hardly in like a week because I've just had like an endless migraine and the sun just scorches my eyeballs. Yeah, no good. So I took my dog for an hour long walk today. Nice. And um, at the park, she found a pine cone and lost her damn <laughs> mind. She was like jumping around, like bounding, like bouncing around. Whoop, hit my microphone. Bouncing around so much that she was like, yeah, like she was like pulling on the leash, so she was just standing on her back legs with this pine cone in her mouth. She was so excited. Adorable. I don't know what was so exciting about this pine cone. I don't know. Dogs and drunk girls love pine cones, in my experience. Yeah, <laughs> dogs and drunk girls. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been at uh, a bar with my friend. I've been at the Thin Man with a friend on the back patio who like was obsessed with the positioning of this particular pine cone on the patio. <laughs> it was uh, very good. Um, yeah, I want. I have something very sp- bursting news, very spooky news to tell you. Ooh, do um, tell, because I don't think I've updated you on this situation. Because I wanted to tell you face to face for the whole world to hear. Uh, mm-hmm. Assuming all of the paperwork goes through correctly and everything's ship shape, mm-hmm. uh, Kai and I adopted a black cat. Yay! Or are in the process of hopefully adopting this black cat. So. Oh, that's so uh, adopted so in like a vision board sense. His name is Crawfish. 
He's crawfish. Three That's years so old. Cute. He's uh, <laughs> FIV positive, and he has thumbs. He's polydactyl. That's really adorable. Yeah, he's really fucking cute. Uh, if you go to the Rocky Mountain Feline Rescue's website and and look on the adoptable cats, you can see his page, uh, his picture. Aww. I can text you one. He's um, so cute. He's. I assume. So I'm not precious. looking at him. I'm just picturing him, and I assume that he's yeah. cute. I looked at the picture on the front page of the uh, the Rocky Mountain Feline Rescue. Shout out. Mm-hmm. To them, a local cat shelter, no kill cat shelter. Um, and I fell in love instantly because he's a perfect young man. Uh, we met him mm-hmm. via Zoom call. And you just saw him and you were just like, he's the one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Obviously. I looked into his eyes and I saw uh, the sign. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we met him via a Zoom call that he slept through the first part of because he's a lazy boy. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, apparently he's very vocal and he loves to cuddle, uh, especially at night. And he mm-hmm. loves to just be involved in whatever you're doing, and he'll meow at you until you like Aww. let him sit on your lap or next to you or whatever. Uh huh. Oh, so, baby, he sounds precious, and I really, really send mm-hmm. send good cat vibes. Hashtag I will. Hashtag prayers for crawfish uh, mm-hmm. for us to get this beautiful, brilliant little polydactyl cat. Oh, I'm so excited! I, I can't know. wait to meet him. I can't wait either. I can't wait for every the whole world to meet him. I can't wait to meet him in person. Hmm. So that's my spooky news. Adopting a black cat is very spooky. Mm, Spooky. That's positive spooky news for sure. It's extremely positive spooky news. Um, I don't really have any spooky news. I don't really have a a spookiest thing or really much of anything to share as an intro segment. Um, because I did almost nothing this entire week. I've never spent more time horizontal in my entire life. Amazing. How did it feel? I mean, besides the migraine. Um, not not great. Yeah. Yeah, fair. <laughs> I don't like not doing much. Yeah, I feel I you. I prefer to be doing things, which I guess is like leftover uh, American Calvinism. It is. Kind of. It's also. Just like, oh, yeah. If you don't get enough, and if you don't get enough done, you failed God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good, good old Calvinism. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, love doing nothing cause I'm secretly a house cat, but I do mm-hmm. have that. Um, I also just like as a person with ADHD, if I do nothing for too long, like my brain stalls out like mm-hmm. a, like if you don't drive a hybrid car for a while, the battery can't charge. It's just like, mm-hmm. if I do nothing for long enough, my brain starts to go crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't do well with like, well, especially when I know that there are things that I should do or could do, but yeah. I just feel like I can't do anything. Yeah. So I didn't really do much since we uh, spoke last, so I don't really have anything to share. We're doing something now, Mm -hmm. and that's this podcast. It's No Exit. It's a comedy horror podcast. It is, Uh, and usually what we do is we watch a horror movie, so... That's what we're gonna do. <laughs> Great! I was gonna like. I was like, is there a is there a special secret surprise that's no. the follow up to that? No, uh, no, we're just gonna keep doing what we're doing. Yeah, uh, we're grand. just gonna we're gonna stay the course. I love that. Um, and just keep ch- keep uh, chugging along with the way we uh, normally do things. Great, keep on keeping on. Um, did you have anything else you want to share? Not especially. We- uh, I read out all the art in my house. That's pretty cool. I'll send you some pictures. Uh, maybe I'll send listeners pictures if they want. Perhaps I don't know. someday I will be able to see it with some, my own eyes. Someday you will be back inside of my house and you I will know. be. I, 
I feel like a character in like a Bronte sisters novel where it's just like, perhaps someday I will own a nice dress. Yes. And then it's like, oh no, but like Icarus, I have flown too high in my desires (laughs) Uh and I will be spurned by the sun. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, Yeah, no, we're, uh, you're going to be very, can I say, impressed by what you see. I'm very, very pleased with the progress I've been making. I'm looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to it. Um, yeah, that's that's really all. That's been, been kind of my week is uh, mm-hmm. read in my house, played a lot of Tomb Raider, hopefully adopted a cat. Awesome. Kai's over there committing some audio crimes on the table with me. <laughs> Z's. That was my audio crime. That was the Bluetooth speaker powering off. Z's uh, oh. rolling spliff. So Z's got a couple different crinkly packages that Z's trying not to oh. um, <laughs> create that audio with. And I'm really proud of you. I, I don't hear the I don't hear the crinkly packages, but I did hear the uh, Bluetooth uh, speaker. Yeah, that's because my mic's directional, and I um, am sitting here with Kai. But rest assured, yeah. it's mm-hmm. funny. I I believe you. <laughs> Rest assured, it's funny. Is the hat the the uh, <laughs> uh, uh, mission statement of our podcast of this podcast network? I think is <laughs> it's funny. We promise. <laughs> Just listen to it. It's funny. Rest assured. Hey, it's funny. give us a chance. We're funny. Um. Yeah. So you want to talk about the movie? I sure do. What are we watching, Wendy? All right. So uh, this week, Hannah, we are watching Ganja and Hess. Ganja and Hess. That sounds yes. dope. Is it about weed? No, it's not. Aw, dang. One of the names is Ganja. <laughs> like, for, forgive yes, me for yes, assuming. Um, so and this tomorrow's is 420. 70... <laughs> that's true. But it's not about weed. Yeah, okay, that's um, This is a 1970s um, experimental art film. Cool. Um, and it's directed by uh, Bill Gunn, who's a playwright. Cool. And um, he's also in it. He plays one of the um, supporting roles. Um, it came out in 1973, and it stars Marlene Clark um, from Enter the Dragon and our boy Dwayne Jones. Dwayne Jones! This is his other, um, this is his only starring role other than Night of the Living Dead. Cool. And this, um, it didn't, it's very artsy. So in the 70s, there are a lot of um, writer-directors who are kind of like, everyone's trying to be auteurs. Yeah. So, um this film definitely has its own style. It's not super linear narrative, um, but it's really, really good. Um, It did not do super well. Um, It didn't like make a lot of money. So it eventually got bought out by a different, the film got bought by a different production company who recut it and re-released it under the name blood. Okay. Um, (laughs) I actually cannot decide which of those names is worse. And it was, (laughs) it was released. Um, and that came out on on VHS, and it's like a totally different. Like they, it's thirty minutes shorter than the original film. Um, for years, the only copy of the original film was at the Museum of Modern Art, fascinating, in New York. Um, and then they made a couple prints of that and redistributed it. They distributed distributed it digitally, <laughs> so now more people can they watch put it, it on the internet. Um, Mm-hmm. They put it on the internet. Um, so the um, I didn't. So the IMDb tagline was written by some rando, and it, it had some errors in it. So I grabbed um, the uh, basic plot summary off of Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. It says the film follows the exploits of anthropologist Dr. Hess Green, who becomes a vampire after his intelligent but unstable assistant stabs him with an ancient cursed dagger. Cool. That sounds dope. 
All right, so we're going to go watch this um, 70s Ganja art house Hess. vampire film. Shockingly not about weed. <laughs> and we'll be back we'll afterwards. Be back. Okay, now we're back. Now we're back. Uh, we had a false start there. Um, I've had a lot of false starts today. It's just kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, so we watched Ganja and Hess. We sure did. Um, Hannah, what are your initial thoughts? It was wild. It feels like a dream. Like, it feels like it's not a movie I watched. It's a dream mm-hmm. that I had. Uh, <laughs> it's like a, a black 70s vampire dream that you had? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, vampire movies, like... Like pretty vampire movies, Vamp- movies about vampires that are visual pl- visually pleasing, where nothing really happens, is a mm-hmm. is a uh, genre of uh, film I already like very much, such as mm-hmm. uh, Only Lovers Left Alive. Yeah, I was actually going to compare this to Only Lovers Left Alive. It's kind of like a- another like vampire character drama. Yeah, vampire like- character drama. We're not there's not a ton happens. It's just kind mm-hmm. of like. These people are vampires and they're suffering in yeah. some capacity. I feel, you know what? I would actually argue that quite a lot happens in this movie, but that it's not the main focus of the movie. Like, oh, totally. The plot yeah. is not the main focus. It's more like the um, the aesthetic and like the vibe and the characters are more of the focus. Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, um, it was really, it was very good. It was cool. It felt really long, uh, which mm-hmm. wasn't a bad thing. It's just, I, it was just shockingly long to me, mm-hmm. um, which normally is a bad, like normally that's a complaint I have about films, but this one felt mm-hmm. very long, but I wasn't like bummed out about it. It just felt long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you know, it's not the longest movie that we've watched. We definitely have watched a couple, a handful of two-hour movies, and this movie, uh, Ganjin Hess, is like an hour fifty, yeah, and change. So it's not like an outrageously long movie. It's not like fucking Lord of the Rings or anything. No, like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it just felt long. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just how I was perceiving time that day. But it it uh, might also be the pacing. Yeah, I think I so. I feel like um, when a movie doesn't conform to like traditional narrative structure, you don't know when you when to expect it to end. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably a good point. That mm-hmm. it was it it not weirdly paced, not like badly paced by any means. Mm-hmm. Just like it felt it's long. Not, it's unconventional. Yeah, unconventionally paced. And so I think you're right that because I didn't know exactly where it was going or when it was going to end, it felt Mm -hmm. long. Mm -hmm. But it was very good, so it wasn't a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this movie, it's a very cool movie. Mm -hmm. Like across the board, it has this like awesome like 70s cool, like I'm a cool 70s auteur filmmaker kind of vibe. And it like really works for me. Yeah, totally. Um, so how do you want to structure this one? The feels like going through the plot would be a little bit impossible. Okay. Um, <laughs> because I don't, I, it was, it took me a while to understand the plot, even though it was described to me at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I talked about it at Kai at the end for the first like 10, 20 minutes of the movie. We did not mm-hmm. understand which character was the doctor. We thought oh, that uh-huh. the lab assistant was the doctor somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was confusing until... Uh, they said each other's names when he was in the tree, and then I understood what was going on. Gotcha, um, gotcha. But yeah, it was a little. It was a little. Um, 
again, not in a bad way because I wasn't mad about it at any point. I was just like, I don't know what the fuck is happening, but I'm mm-hmm. enjoying the ride. Um, yeah. So yeah, for I was listening. The the movie, you know, it's just not a completely linear structure. It kind of like there's a little prologue that's narrated by one of the side characters. And then um, it kind of like he's like my like I worked for Dr. Green who had an addiction to blood, but it wasn't his fault. You know, he's a victim. And then it jumps back in time and shows Dr. Green becoming a vampire, but it doesn't tell you that that's what's happening. Yeah, no, I was I was extremely confused. I didn't understand that we had gone back in time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, so I don't think I could succinctly summarize this movie if I tried. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was a, it was mostly a, uh, just like a sort of, um, not montage, but it was, it was just like a, a, a progression of beautiful images and people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like it's, it's kind of like a character piece, I yeah, guess, or yeah. like, it's, yeah, it's like, a con- it, I mean, well, it is, it is an experimental film, but it's, it's like a sort of con- more conceptual than like, uh, narrative driven. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and uh, because of that, it's it's hard to describe the plot. But yeah, it was like a it was it was uh, just beautiful people and beautiful landscapes and like Grand Guignol violence and like mm-hmm. black church revivals and it just kind of all of those uh, mashed together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, so the the unconventional structure is part of the reason that it got dumped by the original production company. Why you know they sold it off and another com- uh, production company bought the rights and like re-edited it, and everyone involved like disowned the edited <laughs> version. Yeah. Um, but this actually won Critics' Choice at Ken the year that it came out, and yeah. was like it got like positive uh critical reviews like from critics who are into art film but like american film critics like super hated it and it really didn't perform well and like the producers really they when they hired bill gunn they what they really wanted was like a black exploitation film gotcha they wanted like a blackula kind of film gotcha and bill gunn was like that was like the last thing i wanted to do was make a black vampire movie but you know, and I think he said something like, I want it, but I thought about taking it as like a metaphor for addiction and then going with that. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Mm-hmm. That was really, really well done. Um, I don't have anything to say about that right this mm-hmm. second, but it was really well done. <laughs> yeah, I can see, especially in the 70s, like, because uh, it was the 70s, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 73. Um, yeah, I can I can see, especially in the 70s, this movie uh, not doing well. Like, I can imagine mm-hmm. it's uh, not something that an American an American audience now wouldn't know what to do with this movie, uh, mm-hmm. let alone an American audience um, in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. It's um, uh, the thing that I the uh, thing that I liked best about this movie was definitely the music. Um, mm-hmm. Like the sound yeah. design and the music was definitely my favorite part of this film Mm -hmm. i feel like the music really um sets the tone and like gives you a lot of clues as to what's going on um and uh sam wayman who actually plays uh the reverend luther williams in the movie um he wrote the entire score which is very cool he is nina simone's brother oh wow Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's there's a Nina Simone album at the like you can see in one of the first couple shots of yeah. um Dwayne Jones character's house. 
there's a Nina Simone album sitting out. And that's something I didn't know when I was first doing the research. And I was just like, holy shit, he's Nina Simone's brother. Damn, that's a talented family. <laughs> yeah. And he was mainly, um, he was mainly uh, a musician and still is mainly a musician. But he and um, Bill Gunn were like close. It's not clear like what the nature of their relationship was, but they did live together. And Gunn was for sure. Well, I wouldn't. I okay. So I don't want to call Bill Gunn queer because I think that men, like gay and bisexual men of that era would be really, really offended by being called queer. Mm-hmm. So, but he definitely like he had relationships with men, and you know, and supposedly also with women. But you know, everyone's like, oh, well, he was gay, and it's not really clear. Yeah, um, he's been dead since like 1989. So, so it can't, can't ask him. him. Uh, but he was not straight in some He capacity. was not straight. No. Great. No. I love that about him. Uh, mm-hmm. It did feel like a very queer film. Like it was a very uh-huh. uh, non-linear story narratives. Um, we've talked a lot, a lot about that on my other podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. About non-linear story narratives and how that's a very like essentially queer method of storytelling. Like this mm-hmm. playing with time and that kind of thing. Like queer temporalities is a big um, part of that sensibility, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can I can see that, I guess, in having studied queer theory uh, to a, a relative degree and living with somebody who uh, studies queer theory to an extreme degree. Um, that definitely feels evident in the style of the film to me. So Bill Gunn was mainly a playwright at the time, and he, he only lived to be 54, but he wrote over 29 plays. Interesting. Which seems like a lot. I don't know how many plays is a reasonable number of plays i don't fucking know man i mean that's that <laughs> sounds like a lot of plays it's, but it does sound like a it sounds like a lot of plays yeah like how many plays did shakespeare write more than that but more than that well okay. he wrote he wrote a lot a lot of sonnets and he wrote yeah but how many plays did he write i don't fucking know dude let me look maybe it's less than, <laughs> it, maybe it's fewer than that um no you can't look it up it's not allowed oh yeah you're right uh it's probably fewer <laughs> than that but also all of shakespeare's plays are like four hours long when yes fully they're performed. all very <laughs> so an out writing an hour and a half i mean um, it's not it's not different levels of like easiness necessarily i'm just saying it's like it makes more sense to put in the time to write like a bunch of hour and a half to two hour long plays as opposed mm-hmm. to a bunch of like five hour plays uh, mm-hmm. like uncut Shakespeare. <laughs> um, so I'm saying it's a lot of plays. I'm very okay. impressed. Uh, mm-hmm. Shakespeare also re- wrote a lot of plays. I mean, just they're just different. Like Shakespeare, if he wrote shorter mm-hmm. plays, might have written 54 of them. Who's to say? Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Um, uh, tw- 29. 29 plays. Is 29 like, plays. Yeah. He lived know. to be 54. Oh, okay. My, my brain. He lived to be 54. He wrote 29 plays. He also wrote a couple novels. And some like TV and film scripts. Um, yeah, he was prolific. And then he his first um, his first movie was called Stop, I think, and it was never released. Um, so, and this was his second movie. So, um, so it's like he gets he has one movie that never even got released. He made this movie, which did really well in Ken. And like, I feel like European audiences were down with it. But um, American audiences were just like, yeah, and like American critics were also just like, it's too black. It's too weird. It's too. Mm -hmm. They probably called it things like ineffectually artsy and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Sure, Um, sure, sure. But if a white guy made it, it would be. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Brilliant fucking art auteur cinema, I'm sure. Mm hmm. Uh, so, um, Bill Gunn was super pissed about, like, the reception, uh, 
of the movie and like how the um, re-released cut totally like butchered his story and everything. Um, So he wrote a letter to the New York Times, um, which was published under the title To Be a Black Artist. Mm -hmm. And um, he said one one of the basically he was saying, like, you guys like you. uh, Like, you don't know what you're fucking talking about and you're racist, essentially. And one of the things he said, and this is a direct quote, it says, your newspapers and critics must realize that they are controlling black film creativity with white criticism. Yup, that's dope. And that's something that I feel like is super still like relevant. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the judging, all art is judged by the like white, uh, like um, the uh, dominant hegemonic narrative. And like mm-hmm. all stories are judged by like the hero's journey. Um, and so a lot, and when any, anything doesn't fall into that in like uh-huh. American, uh, mass media, it's not, it doesn't get accepted by American mass media. Like it mm-hmm. is doomed to flatter. I feel like now also then, as far as I know, like foreign films, there wasn't as much of a market for, I mean, I know this isn't a foreign film, but what white people mm-hmm. see as foreign films, like, right. or like just art films in general. Yeah. Stuff that's a less, it's not a Western white narrative style, mm-hmm. um, is what I mean when I say that, I guess. Obvi- yeah. Uh, we're not like now I feel like there's more, you know, there's art house cinemas and what have you. Like, I just, I just feel, mm-hmm. I don't know. I wasn't there in the seventies, but I just feel yeah. like there's more of like a, Me neither. Um, <laughs> if you were there in the seventies, let us know. Us. Uh, but Dad. yeah, <laughs> uh, so I can, I can, I can, I mean, it's still, it's absolutely still relevant, but also like mm-hmm. I can see that movie playing at not, but, and I can see that movie like playing in the Mayan now. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. It reminded totally. me a little, I mean, Moonlight was a lot more linear, but it, it mm-hmm. reminded me of Moonlight to a certain degree, okay. not just cause it's another black film by a queer person but yeah. it's i still haven't seen moonlight but it's on oh, it's fantastic now so it's on my list oh yeah it's really really good um it also i wanted to see it since because i saw a preview for it in theaters when I, um my friend ian and i went to see demon which is a polish horror movie uh-huh. at the mayan and we saw a preview from moonlight and we were both just like that looks amazing. It was really fucking good. Mm-hmm. I saw it in a really weird time in my life. Um, but I remember it being really fu- like it's 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 really fucking good. And it's similar mm-hmm. in that it's like there'll be kind of uh, bursts of like character drama, this really mm-hmm. intense interpersonal interaction and like like really uh, uh, intense sexual scenes and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hot when they're adults. Uh, uh-huh. punctuated by uh, these like beautiful kind of montage sequences with uh, music and like just mm-hmm. like lovely imagery in um, this movie in Ganjin has it's a lot of like the rolling fields of wheat and that kind of thing mm-hmm. and it moonlights a lot of just like 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 ocean waves over top mm-hmm. of each other it's really uh, so it reminded me of that in that way mm-hmm. and that makes mu- sense yeah, yeah I can definitely see uh, like the, I can even not having seen Moonlight yet, having seen the previews for yeah. Moonlight, I can already like see that comparison. Totally, yeah, it, it um, had a similar energy in my mm-hmm. mind. You know, it makes me wonder because we talked about, I, you know, well, maybe we haven't talked about on this podcast. Maybe it was just something you talked about on if it's gay, we play like vampirism as a metaphor for queerness. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, and it's interesting that so the vampires in this movie um, don't conformed exactly to like the the uh you know the dominant accepted vampire tropes so like they can't they can go out in sunlight sunlight does not bother them yeah um they don't have fangs 
They don't have fangs. Yeah, they, they seem to be able to eat human food also. Like they seem mm-hmm. to be like people, but also people and also they need blood to mm-hmm. like satisfy their hunger or whatever. They're yeah. not like other completely like, um, they're not like, like, I mean, they're like monstrous to certain degrees, but they're not as like mm-hmm. completely removed from humanity. Yeah. As they're, yeah. It often. sounds like they are a lot closer to human and maybe that, you know, and, uh, so it, the, lore of this movie essentially which is kind of abstract but how how you become a vampire is uh he you if you are stabbed with this bone knife you will be a vampire and you'll be immortal yeah you'll Um, be immortal and you'll have to drink blood or whatever mm -hmm. yeah and you'll have to drink blood to survive yeah yeah but you'll also yeah you'll also just be able to like be a person except it seems like Mm -hmm. it seems like any like act of passion in this Mm -hmm. universe like triggers the like vampiric mm-hmm. instincts like, like the bloodlust yeah totally yeah the doctor i mean he, mm-hmm. he i think he clearly goes out to uh prey on sex workers but also mm-hmm. like it's like when he's uh uh having sex with um ganja for the first time and he has to like leave to go get blood like mm-hmm. because he doesn't want to kill her or whatever and right. like it regular lust seems to trigger the bloodlust but also like anger I think, but it's mostly mm-hmm. shown like it's mostly shown as as lust triggering bloodlust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seemed like it because it, it didn't seem you know I can't really. I'm trying to think of a scene when there would have been like anger triggering the bloodlust. Yeah, and no, I don't know really if I can one. like call one up. It's like the main like. So aside from like the you know, killing people like just as a mechanism to get blood. Um, the main act of violence is um, Bill Gunn's character, uh, George Maida, the assistant who like uh, has like a psychotic break apparently or something and stabs him with the knife. Yeah. Yeah. And it's he kind does of that, you know, just not. And it's not really clear why he's done that. It's just kind of like just a thing they've established that he has. On you know unmanaged mental health problems. Yeah, in some capacity. Yeah, he yeah. just does that. Cu- yeah, the instigating act in this movie is not like a vampire turns another vampire. No, a human turns a, yeah. another human into a vampire. Yeah, a human stabs mm-hmm. a human with a knife that just happens to be there, essentially. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they've talked about, and they, they talk about the, um, basically that this ancient African society drank blood and that's where this dagger is from. And they kind of like have this, uh, academic discussion, um, in the scene where, uh, the like kind of after dinner scene in the beginning, uh, where they talk about, you know, the, you know, the Murthians, they thought they, you know, they thought they had a desire for blood, but really they needed it. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really interesting scene. It's, it's positing mm-hmm. that there's this like, the whole thing is sort of predicated on this like ancient, yeah, this ancient like African mm-hmm. vampire society, essentially, yeah. which is dope as hell. It's like it's also the the first uh, the first scene in which someone kind of monologues at Dwayne Jones, and then it's just like, you know what I'm saying, right? You know yeah, what I mean? He's like, you agree, right? Like they, like, he, they everyone's don't... always asking Dwayne Jones to agree with them in this movie. Yeah, and he doesn't really say Dwayne Jones doesn't say a, lo- a whole mm-hmm. lot. Yeah, for the star of this movie, I think he probably has the fewest lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he really, he acts well, like, 
with even when he's like not doing anything at all even when he's just standing there like the way he uses his body like conveys a lot he's a very good actor he was phenomenal i was extremely he was mainly a theater actor i think that makes Um, sense and then also and then went on to teach and i think there's some school in new york has like a Dwayne l jones memorial auditorium or something like that which is cool dope yeah he's Um, good as hell it makes sense. Yeah. He, I mean, yeah, it makes maybe sense. If, he, maybe if Dwayne Jones had been my my uh, acting teacher, maybe I would have stayed in theater school. <laughs> maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but he died like a couple months after I was born, so. Whoops. Yeah. Both of them, you know, didn't uh, die because uh, Dwayne Jones died, died in 1988 and um, Bill Gunn died in 89. And so here's the thing. I couldn't find confirmation of this. I found one article that asserted that Bill Gunn died of AIDS. But I cannot find anything to support that. And everything else just says he died of meningitis. Yeah, it could have been. Can kill you anyway. So it's like maybe he also had AIDS and and then he so got meningitis was worse and it killed him. But right. Or he was you more can susceptible die of meningitis. meningitis even if you're not even if you're not immunosuppressed. Yeah. So. Meningitis is extremely scary. Extremely, mm-hmm. extremely scary. It can, oh, yeah. It can kill you. Kill you extremely quickly. And like mm-hmm. by the time you feel symptoms, it is too late. Um, yeah. 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 Meningitis is fucked up. It's mm-hmm. it scares me very badly. So, yeah. So it's possible it's bold that he I mean, here here's the thing. If he was a not straight black man in the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s there's a, a statistical yeah. probability a very, that he yeah. had, that he yeah. contracted hiv um mm-hmm. which maybe yeah. he so then maybe he had aids and maybe he got meningitis because uh-huh. he had aids or maybe he yeah. just got meningitis because he got meningitis and then he died yeah it's like i, I mean uh, i'm gonna say it's totally possible that he was hiv positive but didn't have aids yet yes and died of meningitis yes but yeah, there's all, anyway. all sorts of possibilities. Either there are all way, sorts of things. Either way, he died horribly, and <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Maybe an evil witch cast a spell on him. Possibly. And he, and he contracted meningitis and then died. And then died horribly. Oh, sorry about yeah. it, but RIP for a real it's, one, Bill Gunn. It is actually very sad, because it sounds like he was a really talented um, artiste. Yeah. Well, and I say that not not in a condescending way. Yeah. And from what I hear, meningitis is not a great way to die. So Yeah, it sounds pretty awful. Yeah. Womp um, womp. Yeah. Uh, you know what else is not a great way to na- die? Vampire attack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially like if you if you're not even getting bit, if he's going to just like stab you in the neck with a little like pocket knife kind of deal. Yeah, and then just bleed out your jugular vein. Um mm-hmm. to end you just spurt blood kind of all over uh-huh. the place. Yeah, that's not yeah. a great way to die. Uh yeah. especially you know, when you is- thought you just were going to get to bone somebody hot and then instead mm-hmm. you died. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like they were also trying to because so the uh, it's not clear exactly what the deal is with this. Um, uh, these two people, uh, it's kind of seems like the guy was the pimp and then the woman was maybe a sex worker. It's that. But it's not clear if she is a sex worker or if they have a setup where she pretends to be a sex worker because he comes in and like stabs Dwayne Jones in the back. Right. Yeah. It's not clear if he's he's before any violence ensues. Yeah. So it's probably just a, it's a scam, which good for them. Yeah. Do what you got to do. Uh, but instead, yeah. they both get vampire killed, which is a bummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's Dwayne Jones is for, you know, they don't kill a lot of people in the movie. Um, the juror uh, and like the big death that causes like the pivotal scene of Ganja realizing that her husband is dead um, is like she finds her husband's body like frozen in the basement. But 
and so she assumes that Dwayne Jones, that uh, Hess Green killed him, but he actually didn't. He killed himself. Yeah, he killed himself and so. they just kept his body in the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just because, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, there, he does have that scene with um, when George made us in the tree trying to kill himself, like threatening, like drunk and threatening to yeah, hang yeah. himself. And he says, he's like, you don't, you may, <laughs> you have no way of knowing this, but I'm the only colored man on the block. Yes. And it, basically he's saying, like, if another black man winds up dead, like, it's, my life is going to become miserable. Yeah, they're going to. Whether I had anything to do with it or not. Right. So, yeah, so he hides his body in the freezer. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, yeah, he killed himself. That's true. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't kill a ton of people, but when they do, it's horrible. Yeah. Um, although the blood looks like, um, a com- like a mixture of, like, Clamato juice and red tempera paint. Yeah, it could not look it's less like It's very blood. 70s. Yeah. It could not look more, it could not possibly look more 70s. Yeah. And then later they're, they're eating, like, cherries, and there's, like, this sexy mm-hmm. scene with, like, cherry juice as blood or whatever, and the cherry mm-hmm. juice looks significantly more yeah, like blood. Yeah, the cherry juice looks way more like blood than the, the blood they're moving in this movie. movie. Yeah. Um... And they drink, like, there are scenes where they'll drink a whole glass of it. So I'm like, I really hope that that is just tomato juice, because yeah. if it's not, I don't want to know what that poor actor is drinking yeah. right now. The, all of the actors, I mean, I know they're acting, but I, all of the mm-hmm. actors also seem legitimately grossed out to be drinking whatever's in that glass. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. all of them drink it slowly enough that it po- can't, po- I mean, I know, again, I know it's probably for the scene, but also it can't possibly taste good. Mm-hmm. I hope it is. No, just I, like, think, I feel like that might also be like part of the parallel to addiction where it's just like because, so, you know, some addictions like uh, and I, I know this wasn't a problem in the 70s yet, but methamphetamine is notoriously not fun. Yeah, no, it's just <laughs> it, but it's very addictive. Yeah, extremely addictive. It does apparently give you a whole lot of energy. Apparently you get a lot done. Yeah. When you're mm-hmm. on that. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's it's it's. But no your fun. teeth fall out. So yeah. is it really worth it? <laughs> no, it's not. It's, I'm here yeah. to tell you, it's not. Uh, having mm-hmm. uh, knowing a, being close friends with a couple of former meth addicts, it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get dope gold um, teeth though if they fall out. So that's good. <laughs> Still, rather not. <laughs> yeah, I would rather not. Don't do meth. Kids. Um, yeah, don't do meth. Um, so don't drink blood um, either. Did you manage to find that list of the alternate no. names? No. Oh, so I was it. telling Hannah, because um, we were supposed to record um, at an earlier time, and I was like, I was hunting down a piece of trivia and I could, that I had read, but I could not find it. It was just a list of all the different names that this movie was released under, and some of them were just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, Blood Couple is a pretty is pretty bad yeah, in pretty itself, bad. but there are other ones. I think one was called Double Possession, but there were some other like really really stupid yeah that's names that that this like the black exploitation recut of this film was released as um and I couldn't find it it just the internet ate it the internet oh, just took that tr- piece of trivia and like took it away dang. and I couldn't find it again dang that's 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 a bummer I um, know this morning I saw a video so this morning I woke up and then I went back to sleep um. This morning I saw a video on Instagram. <laughs> it didn't even, it was funny when I saw it, but I didn't like laugh out loud. But then I was standing in the kitchen like 20 minutes later and I thought about the video and I started giggling. <laughs> like it's what we call, it's what uh, is called an icebox laugh. Um, in my favorite play, Picasso de la Pana Gilles. And I, it was a video of this kid uh, uh-huh. in like 
he was wearing like a yellow t- or I don't know the gender of this person. They were wearing like a yellow teeth shirt and mm-hmm. like vague, like Ronald McDonald makeup but no wig or anything. And they were smoking. <laughs> they had a, a, a fucking uh, hits from the bong was playing for uh, Cypress Hill. And they had a double cheeseburger and they like smoked weed out of the double cheeseburger. And they were like, hell yeah. Like they just said that with their face. And then they started eating the double cheeseburger and then they smoked out of the double cheeseburger again and like grinned at the camera. It was so fucking funny. And I can't find it again. So that's my story. That's sad. That video of the cat falling over is not available anymore. Bummer, dude. I hate that. The the cat that has the little sticky things on its paws and then just... Yeah, just won't have it. Isn't having it. It's gone. It's so... I'm so sad because that video brought me so much joy. Well, like all great (laughs) things. it's gone. It's ephemeral. Like all joy, it's ephemeral. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I rely so much on the internet to be forever. Yeah. <laughs> because usually it is. Yeah, so sometimes it's not though. Sometimes it'll trick you that way. Or at least it's so impossible to find something again that it's functionally disappeared. Like, I don't fucking mm-hmm. know where I saw that. I wasn't paying attention to whose account that was on. There's no way mm-hmm. I'm going to find that video again. Like, there's absolutely <laughs> no way. There's so many meme accounts and so many shit posters mm-hmm. I follow. There's absolutely no way <laughs> I'm ever going to see that again. So, um... Oh, well, RIP mm-hmm. video of the kid dressed like a little bit like Ronald McDonald smoking weed out of a McDonald's shovel cheeseburger. <laughs> it was really fucking funny. <laughs> um, so anyway, back to the topic of um, alternate titles for this movie. It was remade by Spike Lee in 2014, like apparently almost shot for shot. Interesting. But the uh, remake is not uh, particularly well rated. Ah. Um, uh, but the remake is called is titled "De Sweet Blood of Jesus." Okay, that's a different energy for sure. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, that's a different energy. It's a uh, it's not like a remake, but there's a clipping song called "Blood of the Fang." Um, mm-hmm. That's I now know partially about this movie and definitely samples audio heavily from the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, really good. And it's about like police violence and many things, but also it's samples from this movie. It's called Blood of the mm-hmm. Fang. It's a very good song. It's on, I can't remember mm-hmm. the name of the album, but yeah. it has like a black the, cover. The track from this movie is also called The Blood of the Thing. This one's called Blood of the Fang. Oh, Blood of the Fang. Okay. Yeah. This is called, the, yeah. So this uh, um, track is called, well, The Blood of the Thing Part Two. Interesting. Is what they used in that song. Very cool. Fucking rad. Yeah, so it's that's a good song. You should listen to it. It's a very good, it's a sort of adaptation of the film, uh, and it's a banger mm-hmm. also. <laughs> Clipping makes bangers. <sighs> Clipping's tight. Um, I've never listened to any of their music. It's oh my very gosh, good. though. I, I, um, so I, I really want to buy it. I probably will buy it. Um, this soundtrack is available as a re- limited release red vinyl LP. That sounds wonderful. Um, and that. there's only a thousand copies. It's been out for five years and they're still available. Wow. So I might buy one. <laughs> it's that niche. That's dope. Yeah, you should mm-hmm. buy one. I mean, it's not dope that yeah. they're still available, but it's dope that they're still available so that you can have one. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can usually always get one like secondhand. Yeah, but but um regard but way more expensive yeah um but yeah it's only like 20 bucks so if you've seen this movie if you like the soundtrack because the soundtrack really does carry um the movie a lot yeah it's like definitely like so also the recut version had a totally different score 
Interesting. Um, and I think that that would like, even if they had left the, um, like the structure of the movie exactly the same, like even if they had not changed a thing of the picture, you know, any of the pictures, like put a different score over this and it's a totally different movie. I completely agree. Yeah. The, the sound quality, that's why, I mean, you know, I led with that's the, that was the thing I liked best about it. That was the most like, mm-hmm. that was the thing that stuck in my mind co- most coherently. The rest is kind of a flash of like beautiful images. Um, mm-hmm. But the 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 device of because normally in a vampire it was like a subversion of the in a in like white vampire movies you know it always plays some like spooky strings when the vampire is mm-hmm. gonna go all vampire or whatever. Uh huh. Um, but this used this like hold on I have to burp. Okay, we're good. This used this like uh, I don't. <laughs> it was an African chant, and that's what it said mm-hmm. on the screen when it came up. Uh, uh-huh. It wasn't really specific to. I think it was supposed to invoke this like presumably fictional mm-hmm. uh, yeah it's like the theme of the Murthian queen who you see so we see kind of like Dwayne Jones has like a, a vision of the queen of Murthia early on in the movie and it's really it's just um people in like ancient African-esque dress just like walking through the field mostly in slow motion it's actually Mabel King playing the queen of Murthia neat who probably was in more movies than most of the other people in this movie. Uh-huh. Um, and she has a non-speaking role. Um, and it but, plays this, like, this, yeah. like, uh, it's like, it's the chant that they sample. It's the mm-hmm. refrain. It's what they sample for the refrain in the clipping song. Um, mm-hmm. And it play. that's what starts it like ramping up in his head every time he starts getting the bloodlust. And then the mm-hmm. screen starts going all wackadoo, like a, like a anti-acid PSA. And uh-huh. it's uh, like images. That's a dismissive way to say it, but images start mm-hmm. like laying or layering over each other and stuff. I don't know. It was just a very mm-hmm. effective like way to do that, and I feel like kind of ahead of its time mm-hmm. for the seventies for like the uh-huh. the sort of sound and picture to break down as his sort of like mental state breaks down into mm-hmm. this like animalistic thing. Uh, I thought was yeah. really very cool. It reminds me of a, that they do that a lot. I feel like in in modern horror games, where like the more scared your character gets, the harder the game mm-hmm. is to play. Uh-huh. Um, is like a is a mechanic that I think makes things very scary. And so this movie wasn't mm-hmm. didn't really scare yeah. me, but no, and I don't think it's it's not really meant. It it's a a horror movie in the sense that like horrifying things happen, but I don't think it's a movie that sets out to horrify. No, not at all. Um, and and it's not it's not particularly frightening. I think you know the more frightening thing is like the very you know the like little subtle social things. Mm-hmm that it just touches on like like so when uh ganjan has first meet so ganja is george meta's estranged wife um i that kind of makes me wonder if maybe george's character is queer coded because it's obvious that these people have not you know not been living together for quite some time right yeah i think that's um, a complete possibility yeah so um ganja meta has run out of money essentially and so she's calling the home you know where she knows that her lawful husband is supposed to be living of course george is already dead george dies at the beginning of the movie right because he um, stabs the doctor he stabs mm-hmm. Hess yeah he with stabs the, knife, the doctor and then he's so horrified and then he takes a bath <laughs> yeah he takes and a really gross oh my god that was can we talk about this really quick as our biggest <laughs> is our biggest spook i'm sorry this was the most unpleasant part of the entire movie for me i know he's about to kill himself and fine but like he's in the mm-hmm. bath and that's fine but then he starts brushing his teeth 
in the bath mm-hmm. with the bath water. Like he rinses uh-huh. his toothbrush in the bathtub and spits in the bathtub that he's still sitting in and like then uses that water to like mm-hmm. scrub his face and stuff. That was uh-huh. extremely upsetting for me watching a human <laughs> because that actor actually had to do that. And that's so gross. Yeah. That's upsetting and gross. I hated that. Gnarly. <laughs> and then he shoots himself in the chest and whatever. That's, that's spooky, the 70s. Ugh, gross. Gross. <laughs> I hated that. I feel like that could be, you know, like an excuse for anything in like an experimental 70s movie. It's just like, I I don't know. It was the 70s. It was the 70s. What the fuck do you want? We're going to brush our teeth Mm -hmm. in the same bath water that our dirty butthole is in. And then we're going to wash our face with our same bath water that we just spat Mm -hmm. our dirty mouth water into. Gross. (laughs) Fucking disgusting. Yeah, I have to say, like, that's not a thing that I would ever think to do, like, to rinse my mouth with the bath water that I'm sitting in or to spit toothpaste into it. But it did not upset me as much as it it upset upset me very badly because I was just envisioning (laughs) and it was all cloudy and it just must have tasted so bad. It's yeah, it it was cloudy. Yeah, it was gnarly. Um, I like to think that if I ever stabbed a man with an ancient cursed bone knife and then was going mm -hmm. to go uh, deliver an extremely beautiful uh, monologue about the state of black youth in America mm-hmm. and then shoot myself in the chest in a bathtub mm-hmm. that I would at least brush my teeth in the sink first if I was going to brush my <laughs> teeth. I don't think I would brush my teeth. I don't think that's the thing I would think of. But also, mm-hmm. I'm not a, a clearly, verily, very mentally unstable man. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of really great monologues in this movie. Um, so George has a couple, even though he's only in the movie for, I don't know, like 20 minutes, maybe half an hour. Um but he has, you know, he has a monologue first at dinner when he's taught. He has like at least one monologue at dinner because then he's just like, don't you think that's incredible? I mean, I think that's just incredible thing that he did, you know? Yeah. And then he has he types up. He basically like writes a, like a poetic suicide note um, to all. I think it's and I think it's addressed like to all the young it's like uh, all the young like black men all, or something all, like that. all the young black males or something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and basically talks about like don't succeed because to succeed is to like um, conform to like what society expects of you and this society is wrong. Like that's not that's not the wording, but that seems to be like the message. Yeah, it's very very good. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of there's a he's mostly in the in the um, in the film to monologue, which is very Shakespearean. Mm-hmm. A character that's only in the first half hour to monologue and then commits suicide. Mm-hmm. It's very Shakespearean. <laughs> uh, it's very like uh, modernist playwriting. Also, it's very mid-century mm-hmm. uh, uh, American playwrights too, which I mm-hmm. think is very appropriate. Yeah, which he was, yeah. yeah. So there you go. So, um, inc- incidentally, one of his um, uh, one of his two novels was called Rhinestone Sharecropping, and it was about like Hollywood, essentially. That's an amazing title for a novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so he has some good monologues, and then Ganja has that really, like, emotional, well, it, and it's funny, because she's so calm as she delivers it, but she, you know, telling the story from her childhood about, so she had a snowball fight, and so she was home late, and her mother doesn't believe that she was just, you know, playing and being a kid. She thinks that she was being, like sinful or slutty or yeah whatever. she calls her a she says mom i was having a she's like you were being chased by a boy and he's like and she was like yeah because we were all chasing each other we we're having yeah. a snow fight and the mom calls mm-hmm. her a slut and a liar and then slaps her in the face uh, mm-hmm. and then she's like she says something like on that day i decided like ganja will look out for ganja always or something mm-hmm. like that 
And yeah. it's really, it's very, very yeah. powerful. It's a beautiful monologue. And like, I, it kind of like, it almost like brings tears to my eyes mm-hmm. just watching that scene and watching that monologue. And, she, and she's, um, she's in this very, uh, like, it's all dark around them and she's just kind of illuminated. It's kind of like Bella Lugosi-esque like um, face spotlight. Like she looks a lot, it's a lot like how they light Bella Lugosi and Dracula. Totally. Is what it looked like to me. And the, she delivers this beautiful monologue and she says like my mother, her mother always said like, oh, I came down with ganja. Yeah, um, yeah. Like she was, a dis- she's like, so that's the day I decided I was a disease and whatever disease I was, I was going to give her a full case of it. It was, yeah, which is so rad. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. ganja's rad. Ganja's rad. That's all I have to mm-hmm. say. She's rad and yeah. extremely hot. Just the hottest. Mm-hmm. Just unbelievable. Yeah, they're, oh my gosh, they're a beautiful couple. Yeah, they're both the hottest. Who's the mm-hmm. hottest in the movie, in this movie is a stiff both competition. Because uh, all the d- adults in this movie are gorgeous. Um, mm-hmm. But both, yeah, both Ganja. I mean, Ganja was was my hottest. Although mm-hmm. uh, Dwayne Jones was is fucking cut. Everybody mm-hmm. in this movie was cut. Everybody in this movie was like jacked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of um. Yeah, it, it's interesting. So like this time in his in cinema, like especially in like black horror, like black exploitation, there's lots of lots of just like big jiggly titties and like. Yeah, uh, sort of, um, like male gazy, like porny, uh, sex scenes, and like all this kind of like fan servicey, tacky stuff, and like all of the nudity in this movie is well, mostly male. There's full male frontal nudity more than once with more than one character, mm-hmm. um, and most of the nudity is is not necessarily all that sexual. Yeah, I mean, there's even when the even like in the sex scenes, it's not like um, what am I? I'm, what's the word I'm trying to think of? It's sexual. It's not like exploitative. Like it's not. Yeah, yeah. Because I would describe the sex scenes as heavily sexual. Like those were mm-hmm. hot. Like those were super hot. Um, mm-hmm. like very very sexually charged energy. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, they weren't like they were tasteful. It, it, they were it well. Was, I, yeah, it was authentic. It felt authentic. Yeah, it was erotic. Was it wasn't like yeah, pornographic. It wasn't. Yeah, exactly. Not that there's anything wrong with porn, but it wasn't. Yeah, no. It was like... But, like, was, American porn a lot of times is, like, a caricature of sex. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Unless you're, yeah, unless you're doing, like, artist-owned mm-hmm. porn, it's going to be pretty much yeah. a caricature. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it felt like, yeah, like, tasteful, artsy porn. The energy mm-hmm. of tasteful, artsy porn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there wasn't any nudity that was, like, for no reason. Yeah, it was never gratuitous, and it was never just mm-hmm. there just because. Yeah. Um... What else? Who we've done the hottest. We've done my biggest spook was the when he fucking spits in the bathwater and (laughs) rubs it on his face. Did you have a biggest spook for this movie? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Ooh, hmm. I'll have to think about that for a second. I think. Did you think anybody was the worst actor? No, I thought all the acting was was pretty darn good in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Maybe some, there's a couple, there's only like two white actors who have speaking roles and they're both kind of like throwaway characters. Yeah, I can't um, even remember. I mean, I, I yeah. have a vague memory. There's them, there's but. a white guy whose name is Jack Sargent and he yeah. like introduces George and uh, Dr. Green. That's right. Uh, so, and he, that's pretty much all he says is like, nice to meet you, Dr. Green or something like that. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, and then and then he's shown later with a like the Dwayne Jones is envisioning the same thing happening again. But the uh, Jack Sargent is wearing a like a masquerade mask. Yeah. It's kind of there's a couple of just like artistic, like David Lynch esque reveries. Yes. Like very short. Uh-huh. Very yeah. short. But there's a couple of like that was a, a very like that's something that David Lynch like what like would do in a movie just like let's just so- show the same scene again but one of the characters is wearing a mask yeah let's just have a, a mm-hmm. sort of brief dream mm-hmm. sequence just because uh that was uh-huh. sort of i was i did not understand he was imagining that scene i only just now <laughs> understood that that was very unclear <laughs> to me um, yeah but yeah or it's kind of like it's it's I understood it's like, oh, it's, you know, this is symbolic or he's having a dream or imagining or something. Yeah, I think I I probably understood that at the time, but also mm-hmm. just like I just sort of had like maximum sense, suspension of disbelief turned on for that mm-hmm. film. So I just sort of assumed yeah. everything was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were you were just like you were on board and along for the ride of the movie and like it's whatever happens, happens. Yeah, I'm not worried about whether this is happening in real mm-hmm. life or dreams yeah. or whatever. I feel like you you kind of have to have that attitude when you know you're sitting down to watch an experimental film. You just got to be like, we're okay. just going to roll with it. Yeah, we're just mm-hmm. going to see what, what comes and out like, of this let one. it be. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Um, uh, <sighs> where is that? Yeah, I, th- I believe you that those white people were not that great, but I don't even mm-hmm. remember them. Yeah, in the but they didn't have much to do either. So yeah, it's so like, it they're count. of course, they're being like acted circles around by like Dwayne Jones and Marlene Clark and yeah. Bill Gunn, because those three characters are the only ones who have a lot of lines. And Dwayne Jones, who's the lead, doesn't even have a lot of lines. Right. He mostly responds to other like other things mm-hmm. other people say. Mm hmm. Yeah, and like there's a scene where uh Ganja who's flirt who's flirting with uh with Dr. Green, not yet knowing that her husband is dead. It's obvious like they're whatever the relationship was between these two married people, they do not have any semblance of a relationship anymore. No, not at all. Um because she's real she's like doesn't does she sleep with him right away or is that like slightly later? I think she sleeps with him pretty much right away. I think it's like the first day yeah. that she's there. Yeah. Maybe the second day, mm-hmm. but I think it's the first day. But because then they wake mm-hmm. up the next morning. Oh my god, I just remembered something that I like I just remembered the point I was trying to make like 20 minutes ago in this conversation. Bring it back around, baby. Bring it all the way back around. I was saying something along the lines of like the most horrifying things in this movie are like the social commentary. Mm-hmm. Um and I was talking about like Mar- Marlene Clark calls the house where her husband lives, her estranged husband lives because she needs money. So she needs to see her husband. Um, and uh, she asks if she can stay there because, it, you know, uh, Dr. Green tells her, oh, well, George is missing. And uh, so she he sends a limousine to pick her up. And she says something along the lines of like, oh, well, the, the driver can't miss me because I'm valuable. Yes. She's <laughs> and then but then when she shows up, there's, you know, Dr. Hess Green, Dwayne Jones is waiting to greet her. She walks right past him and says, tell your boss I'm here. Right. Yeah. Like assumes and that he, he's he, not the doctor. And then yeah. She, and he's just like, um, I am Dr. Green. <laughs> right. And she's immediately super embarrassed. Yeah. It's stuff like that. And how he yeah. mentions he's the only person of color on the block. Um, mm hmm. And like, yeah, obviously when he's in these academic circles in a couple of scenes, he's like the only black man mm-hmm. in this group of mm-hmm. old white dudes. Um, uh-huh. So, yeah, it's not the movie's not explicitly about racism, but it's all mm-hmm. it's about it's also about yeah. that. And it it's but it's it, I think it's a that. movie. And I mean, 
<laughs> Disclaimer, we are two white people. Yeah, here we are not qualified to movie. have this conversation. But it seems like it's a one of the themes in the, in the movie is just like being black in America. Oh, completely, yeah. And hip, which addiction is heavily mm-hmm. rolled up into because mm-hmm. of the war on drugs and way before the war on drugs. Um, mm-hmm. And also like the idea of maybe a feeling of disconnection from, uh, you know, a heritage outside of the U.S., like maybe a disconnection from an African heritage. I don't know if that's a thing <laughs> that yeah. people feel, um, but that's that seemed like one of the themes is like Dr. Green as an anthropologist, this is something that he has decided to explore. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Like he's his, his area of study. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I have no idea of speaking on, you know, that's something. Yeah. I don't know. Either. Or one of their, perhaps that, that is a theme that one I think could read into the film. So mm-hmm. perhaps it was yeah. a, a way that Bill Gunn was feeling. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I just lost my train of thoughts, but I think it it's one was, of those kind of days. It is. It's gray. It's been. Mm-hmm. It's been a little gray. It's been yeah. It's been a little gray. I did. I had to review my taxes today, so that kind of fried my brain a little bit. Yeah, doing your taxes um, is garbage. Hmm. But I, uh, I mean, I didn't really have to do anything. I just had to look at it and say, oh, wait, this isn't right. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> and get it corrected. I still haven't um, done my personal taxes because it got pushed out mm-hmm. to June 15th. So, But that yeah. also means I haven't gotten my stimulus check. So I should probably do that. Ah, You can't mm-hmm. get your stimulus check until you pay it. You do. You fire, you file your taxes. Mm-hmm. Wop, wop. Yeah, oy vey. I am getting unemployment, um, though. What's that? I am getting unemployment, though, which is tight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope to be soon. Let's all hope. Um, let's all hope. Um, I'm still thinking. I'm wondering what my biggest spook is. Hmm. Um, and I think maybe um, this, so. There's really, this really powerful scene at the end. So, and I, I really like this about this film. Um, so, um, Ganjin has to have this conversation where Doctor has is like reading. A, it seems like he's reading about vampirism essentially. And he's reading from the book and he says something to the effect of like, you know, if there is um, like your weakness will be like a symbol that means that like. That means something to you, mm-hmm. basically, if you're saying if there's a religious symbol that to you makes you feel like you like you're evil, then that symbol will like harm you. But only if you believe in it. Yeah. And that's when he decides to like go back to the reverend's church and like he goes to church and like receives like and he he goes up and has like uh the reverend pray for him and like lay his hands on his head and everything and then he goes home and like sits in front of a cross and kills himself yeah he like gets he like sits in front of a cross and he gets so like the shadow of the cross touch crosses mm-hmm. his face and then yeah. he and he dies because he reads mm-hmm. in that book that the it's not the symbol of the thing, it's the shadow of the symbol. Oh, that hurts okay. You. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. It's the shadow of the symbol, but the symbol has to mean something to you. Right. So he goes to church first to get really churched up and then to like mm-hmm. charge up the big cross meaning. And then he hangs mm-hmm. a church in front of a, or a church. He, <laughs> he doesn't hang a whole church. He does, however, mm-hmm. hang a cross in front of a light bulb. 
Uh, so, <laughs> he, hangs, he hangs a whole church inside his house. Yeah, it's this crazy. man is He's so rich. rich. He's so rich. His house is so big. You don't seem. I, okay, this is not a joke. You do not see the same room in this house twice. No, they're always in boning in different rooms, and most yeah. Of and there, at one point, there's just like an elevator slash maybe a big dumb waiter. I think it's, it's an not, elevator because it wouldn't okay. it wouldn't be for people if it was a dumb waiter, right? That's true. That's true. Um, but it it rises up out of the so floor. Maybe it's a regular waiter. It's a regular waiter. It's a smart waiter. Um, yeah, I think if it's a dumb waiter for people, we just call that an elevator. I think if it's an elevator for food, we call that a dumb waiter. I think that's the only Mm -hmm. difference between those two things. Okay. Um, But it rises up out of the floor, which is pretty tight. Um, But yeah, Uh it's very unclear. Kai Kai expressed some confusion at some point during the watching of the movie about the whole movie being inside of the same house because it takes place Mm -hmm. in different rooms every time. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, Dr. Green has a massive house and a massive property. He is obviously extremely wealthy. Yeah, he's extremely rich. Um, and then which um it seems odd for an anthropologist, but I, maybe yeah. he made his money some other way. That's I remarked on that at some point. I was like, how is this bitch yeah. so yeah, fucking rich? Cuz I I mean, who knows? Maybe the 70s was like some sort of boom of anthropology, but Yeah. Like, yeah, I, maybe there were some like really really like um like high roller anthropologists. Right. Because I know in, anthropologists and uh-huh. it's um not it's not like a lucrative <laughs> profession. It's not even like archaeology. Like archaeology uh, yeah. is where you go I don't, get the value. So here's objects. the thing. I don't um I don't know anybody who is still an anthropologist. <laughs> I know I know people who used to be anthropologists and people. could no longer afford to remain anthropologists. Yeah, so, so, so that's I don't sort know of how this guy made his money. Union. Obviously, he's a genius of some kind. Um, but uh, anyway, so he has a really big house. Yeah, maybe he's an oil. <laughs> and so heir. he hang- and the p- whole point of this long joke is that he hangs an entire church. Inside of his gigantic house. <laughs> Inside so of his gigantic he house. Hangs, no. He hangs this cross because he, he talks to her and he's like, we're going to destroy ourselves. And then he hangs this cross up and it falls across mm-hmm. his face and he dies. And then mm-hmm. she doesn't do it. And then th- yeah. the next thing. And it, it, does, it seems like it takes a while too. It's like he doesn't just like immediately die. Well, what I thought was if, happening was he was like building up the courage to walk into the shadow basically. Like okay. he was sitting there and he was like, come with me to her. Mm-hmm. And then he got up and he walked into the shadow mm-hmm. and then he died yeah. instantly. Yeah. And Ganja doesn't do it. Ganja has no interest in doing so. She's she's no. initially horrified by being a vampire, but then I think rapidly becomes enamored of the idea of being rich forever. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, rich and young and beautiful forever because she takes care of herself. She does what's in her own best interest. Yes, yeah. So she shoves the what uh, we haven't even mentioned the butler, um, the the portly mm-hmm. butler with a with a butler accent um, who talks like mm-hmm. a butler does. He says, "Yeah, I think his name's Archie." Yeah, his name's Archie. Yeah. He says things like, "Very, yeah, he's very, very good, posh. madam. Very good, madam. Very good, sir." Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. Archie hates ganja because he's he's, awful he's this to very, him. very, very posh black butler who wears a coat that looks like a pharmacist. It does look a little like a pharmacist. I was so confused by this character the first time I watched it. I was like, "Why is this doctor here?" Yeah, it is a little unclear. Like it's, <laughs> it it's, turns out he's the but he's the butler. He's the butler. So it's supposed to be mm-hmm. a white tux, I think, but it looks a little like a lab coat. Um, yeah. And she, so the next thing we see is is Ganja has shoved uh, him out the window mm-hmm. and he's dead. Presumably, yeah, he's he's dead on the lawn. You just you barely see him. Yeah, and he's then just there does. 
other guy come back? The other guy she killed? So, yeah. So there's this um, point in the movie when um, Dwayne Jones brings this uh, younger guy um, home for dinner and Gonda sleeps with him and then kills him and drinks his blood. And uh, they drag him out into a field and Ganja's like, no, 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 he's still alive. And Dwayne Jones is just like, no, he's not. He's dead. Like, leave him alone. So at this point, at the very, very end of the movie, Ganja's looking out across to, I think, a swimming pool or something. Yeah, something. And this younger guy climbs up out of the water, uh, fully nude, and just starts, like, sprinting towards her. Yes. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah, it's very, it's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it, I think maybe the implication is that she has also, like, sh- maybe she went back and made him a vampire. That's kind of what I got out of it, or at the very least, like, that was, freed That him. was the impression that I got. Yeah, so that she could have an eternal lover since her other mm-hmm. one killed him, like, killed mm-hmm. himself. Um, but this was, maybe she, but she might have done it before she knew that um, Hess was gonna kill himself. Could be. Who knows? Who's to say? But either way, you know, I think she went back and made made the younger guy a vampire, too, just so she could, you know, have him around. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, Ganja comes out on top at the end of all Mm -hmm. this. She's got a dope house and a dope, uh, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And they were married. So. So she has all his money now. They got married. So now. Yeah. Pretty dope. So she is. Mm hmm. Yeah. She calls the police. Well, she is well in taken care of. She calls the EMTs. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, like, fills out a form, and then mm-hmm. that's that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They take, you know, they they take Hess's body out on a gurney, and, that, and that's that. That's that. That's the mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. Do you still have do do uh, Do you have a biggest spook? It's okay if not. Uh, no, I don't. I don't have a biggest spook. Maybe. Um, Maybe Dwayne Jones uh, in the Shadow of the Cross. It's a really, um, it's not a spooky moment, but it's a very powerful, mm-hmm. like, image. Totally. Completely. Completely. Uh, him, like, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think that's probably it. Because otherwise, like, or or either that or when George Maida um, shoots himself. Yeah, that, that's pretty uh, hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he shoots himself and... Does the cross fall off the wall or is it implied that Dwayne Jones like knocked the cross off the wall later? Because we see the cross on the wall and then later we see the cross like face down in the bathtub. Uh, unclear. I'm unsure. Yeah. Okay. Un- unclear yeah. on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe it's it's just symbolic. It was the 70s. It's the 70s. I think it's just a symbol. Um. um yeah. We should probably head towards wrapping this bad boy up. Yeah, I think so. Um, before we do that, I just have one oh, yeah. um, little quote that I wanted to share about Bill Gunn. Um, and this is from Richard Brody of The New Yorker. And uh, basic, and uh, Richard Brody says that Bill Gunn was, quote, a visionary filmmaker left on the sidelines of the most ostensibly liberated period of American filmmaking. Damn. So, yeah, Bill Gunn didn't get his due. Um, so check out his movies and check out his plays, maybe. Yeah, please do. Because uh, this movie is dope. I would watch it again. Yeah. It's very good. And um, his his stories are cool. I like it. Yeah. I like them. I like the guy. Mm-hmm. I'll probably try to mm-hmm. read his plays. We might even have some. Yeah. Who knows? We have a lot of plays. Who there. knows? You guys do have a lot of plays. We sure do. Kai has an extremely extensive collection, both of play. We have a, a queer theory library and a play library in the upstairs of our house. <laughs> I have a pretty, uh, pretty um, 
well-collected poetry library. It's just that mm-hmm. a poetry library takes like a shelf of a bookcase because poetry books are always this big. <laughs> They're always quite small. So not always, but <laughs> most of the time poetry books are like no mm-hmm. bigger than a quarter they're, inch. So you can cram Yeah, them. they're either a quarter inch or they're like a massive tome. Yeah, or they're a chapbook and they're even smaller, but usually they hover yeah. around quarter inch and smaller. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's sort of the spate of my... Those are the books I have. Thanks for listening to yeah, our this podcast. Yeah, this is our segment called These are the Books that Hannah Has. These are the books in my home. Uh, thanks for listening to our program. We're going to wrap this bad boy up now, just like a body in a field. Mm-hmm. And thanks for listening to our program. I'm going to say it three times, so maybe it'll appear in the mirror behind me. Uh, you can <laughs> check out other uh, shows on the Stickbook Prod Network. There's mainly one other one right now. It's called If It's Gay, We Play. It's about... Gay stuff. It's about video games. I host it with my friend and partner and roommate and erstwhile guest on this podcast, Kai. Uh, often commentator, always physical presence on this podcast, Kai. Uh, always felt <laughs> Thank you, Kai. rarely heard. Thank Kai for Kai. Uh, you can also listen to Backlogs of By the Grace of Pod. Hot. Uh, a podcast uh, that is likely no more, but there's another cool project coming up uh, mm-hmm. with some of those people. So that's dope. Thanks to Travel Kit for our theme song. You can find them on the internet at travel underscore kit underscore music. And you can find us on the internet at Instagram, Facebook, and Gmail. And those things are at no exit podcast or no exit podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the movies. We would love to hear movie suggestions. We would love to hear if you've eaten a tombstone pizza in the last 15 years. We would love to hear if mm-hmm. you are or are in connection with Aesop Rock. Um, We'd love to hear if you've ever gotten stuck at a Sonic drive-in. Stuck at a Sonic drive-in. We have a lot of calls to action. And if you want to hear all of them, you'll just have to listen to our Ding Dang podcast. Mm -hmm. Just uh, like 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 an adult. Grow up Mm -hmm. and listen to our whole podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Did we say thank you to Travel Kit? I did. Thank you to Travel Kit. I thanked them. You did? We'll thank them once more. Perfect. We'll thank them again. And again, if we thank Um, them, they wrote this theme song especially for us. It's pretty dope. Our specifications. It's pretty cool of them. I can't wait until Um, live music is back so that I can go see them live. I know. (laughs) I miss live music very much. I thought about standing in my living room yesterday. I have one more joke before we. Oh, okay. At the end, uh, I sa- thought I thought this isn't that funny. But on four twenty, I was like, maybe I can just stand in my living room. This isn't room. that funny, but I still have one more joke. Before. Basically, if you want to simulate a concert experience, just sit in your stand in your living room, play whatever music you want, super super loud, and then just like have your roommate stand way too close to you, and sometimes crouch <laughs> down and hit your vape and look around to make sure that uh, there's no security. The security in this case <laughs> is your pets. So that's how you play. Be at a concert from home. <laughs> that's it. All right. Well, Hannah, do you have any uh, advice to close the show with? Um, I do. I would say my advice is if you're going to dump a body in a field that you just sex murdered because you're a vampire, definitely make sure they're dead first. (laughs) Or don't if you want to bone them forever. And don't turn out the lights. Goodbye. Goodbye.